Hey, what's up, everybody? John Morris here, johnmorrisonline.com. Another weekly Ask Me Anything after sort of skipping last week. So I, I need to uh, check a couple things because I, I'm doing this a little bit different this week. I'm using uh, XSplit, which I've, ha- I've had for a while, but I was just using the the thing inside of uh, YouTube to do the live stream. So first off, the big thing is, is can can everybody hear me? Can just let me know in the uh, in the chat here if you guys can hear me okay. No echo or anything like that because that was one of the problems I always had with XSplit is uh, some of the echo. All right, looks like it's good. What's going on? Is that Plash? Is that how I say that? Okay, and and uh, I have the um, the uh, bitrate at a certain level, so. Hopefully it doesn't get too choppy for for some of you got some of you guys. What's up, Bos Bosim Daniel? Is it Huin Bean Coffee? Anyway, like I said, uh, miss sort of missed last week, so apologize for that. But uh, I think I told you guys a couple live streams ago. I was selling my house, and we just had a lot going on, and people I've had people in and out of my house for. <laughs> seems like every all every day all day for the last week or so so it's been a little difficult to get anything done but uh, I got a little time this uh, this Friday so we're gonna go ahead and do this so if you guys got me questions I'll, I'll do the little spiel real quick uh, this is a weekly ask me anything you ask me anything you want I will try to answer it if I can't answer it or I don't think I am the best person to answer that question I will certainly let you know and uh, uh, and go from there so if you guys have any questions, go ahead and let me know, and I'll just uh, sort of sit here and wait for that. So, Bean Coffee, can you make a v- video on email HTML, uh, sending HTML uh, emails? Um, yeah, I mean, maybe at some point uh, we can do that. You know, it's it's a little bit tricky because of the way the different providers work and so forth. They're not all good about honoring uh, the code, although I'm sure that's gotten better since last I looked at it, so... Uh, but yeah, maybe that's something I can look at doing. Um, looks like I'm sort of just waiting for you guys' questions. So don't have any. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Clear that up. Makes sense. Oh, it's kind of a pain in the butt. It really is. Well, last I looked at it, you had to do. I mean, you were still having to use. Uh, HTML tables and crap like that, and it's, I mean, it feels like we're in 2002 still with email. All right, so I got a question from Hacker Boy. Why creating component for Juna seems too tough? Do you have any plan for such tutorial? Um, I, I mean, I'll be honest, probably not. I, I messed with Joomla, Joomla many, many years ago. I didn't really like it, not to say that my opinion is right or anything like that, but it's not something I really mess with too much. Um, why are the co- components seem too tough? I don't know. Maybe that's maybe that's why I got away from Joomla. So um, the reality is, is I, I just don't foresee any time doing anything with Joomla in terms of tutorials. All right, just getting into WordPress. What kind of jobs do you suggest? So I think there's two things when it comes to to WordPress jobs. Two primary things. Obviously, there's a whole whole bunch of different things that that you could get into, but it depends if you are sort of more the front end designer, that sort of thing. Uh, maybe really, it's it. I guess it, I should say it's three things, and that is you can be a virtual assistant, which I think a lot of developers hear that and they sort of scoff, but if you're just learning how to code, doing that sort of thing can be really, really helpful to learn how to use WordPress. And there are people out there that will pay money to other people to post blog posts for them to understand how to install plugins and so forth. And it's a really good way to get into the industry while you're still teaching yourself how to code or do design or whatever. So that's the first one. And I don't think you should shy away from that or scoff at it as much as a lot of developers would. The second thing is design. So getting into theme development or or something along those lines. With Gutenberg coming out, designers, I think, are going to... Uh, that's going to be a boon for designers because you'll be able to create designs without necessarily needing to know how to to 
code, hardcore PHP code or WordPress code. So uh, again, doing design parts of it, themes and, and that sort of thing. And then, of course, the last one is the hardcore development, plug-in development, uh, etc. So the biggest thing, in my opinion, is that you need to figure out what it is that that you enjoy because each one of those markets is big. You can make your entire living in each doing either any of those things. So you don't have to worry about the viability part of it. So all you have to do is figure out, okay, what what do you like to do? What are you good at? And then go all in on that. And don't try to necessarily be super great at design. If you're a hardcore, uh, hardcore coder, go in all in on that. Or if you're a more the designer, don't think you have to be this hardcore coder. Figure out what you are, pick that, and then go in and all in on that. What is better between HTML, PHP, or WordPress? Well, I mean, WordPress is all PHP and HTML. HTML and PHP don't really compete with each other. They work with each other. Uh, so you need the, you need all of them. I, I don't know that there's a one that's better than the other. How to go with a client if they think that the price for a project is too, t- too high, yet it is the actual price for that kind of project. I mean, that's a, that is a, a, a pretty common thing that you'll run into when you're, uh, doing freelancing. You know, I think there's a, there's a couple things here is you sort of have to have, it it depends how much experience you have. So if you've been doing this a while and you've established a reputation and you have the portfolio and the client history and all that sort of thing to back up your, your opinion on your price, then, I mean, I'm all for sticking to my guns and, oh, it depends Sort of depends the context. I mean, if you're talking something like Upwork, I don't even bid on those jobs. Uh, if 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 it's on there, if it's someone contacting you on your website, then I just tell them, sorry, I won't do it for that. And if you have enough work coming in that you can do that, then that's the route you go. If you don't, if you're maybe new and and uh, your client history and your experience and all that stuff isn't quite built up yet then the reality of it is is that you'll you will have to take jobs that are probably you're going to get paid less than what that job is actually worth objectively and that's just the that's just the way a marketplace works that's going to that's uh, you know you people deal with that in in every sort of industry but you should ultimately be working towards getting paid of course what the project is worth and what you deserve but you got to have the client history and the experience to be able to back that up and you got to have enough work coming in to where you can turn people down who simply won't uh, go that route the way that i would position it is tell them if you're going to take the project say look my normal price would for this would be xyz however because i'm new and i'm building up my experience and so forth then I'll do it for this price, but you know, that's just a temporary thing while I build up my experience and my client history. That's the best way to, uh, to, in my opinion, to approach it. What do you think will improve our success score on Upwork? Well, I mean, obviously the thing that is how you deliver and so forth, but actually getting in, in, in deeper into that, how do you make a client happy? Uh, so that they give you a good rating, they give you a good review, which ultimately helps your success score. I think there's, I think there's two things that you can do. I've I've talked about this quite a bit before, and I I sort of harp on this in some of the courses that I have and so forth. But when it comes to delivery, there's lots there's lots of different parts of it. But there's two things that I think are sort of the trump cards and the things that can uh, really make push clients over the top and, and make them super happy to the point that they're going to give you a really good review. The first one is speed. And the second one is communication. And so the way that you do speed is I've always recommended, this is why I recommend you specialize. You work on projects that you do over and over again. It's sort of the same project. So as you do it, you naturally just get faster at it. But along with that, you can write out a delivery schedule. You can actually start to set very specific milestones. If you look at, now as a client, I know this from Upwork, some of the better top freelancers on Upwork, for example, when they bid on your projects, they submit a, uh, a proposal for one of your projects, they will have a very detailed uh, set of milestones. And that's because they've done these projects 
time and time again so they know what those are. So having that detailed list of milestones that can keep you on track, but also you can give to the client to give them sort of a roadmap of what's going to happen. And again, if you're working on the same sort of projects over and over again, you can do that. So that's going to help you with your speed part of it. And then the communication part of it is on top of that delivery schedule. Now you know all of the key milestones. You can add to that key communication points, points where you need a decision from the client or you need to communicate something to them and be proactive in your communication. Don't just oh, only respond when they contact you. you. You want to be proactively talking to them, communicating with them so that they're not feeling like they're constantly having to drag communication out of you. If you do those two things, deliver fast and proactively communicate, you're going to have really happy clients because a lot of it, a lot of freelancers, but in particular developers, because we tend to be a little bit more introverted and this and that, they, they, they just don't do it. So if you're, if you do those sorts of things, that's a, that's a really good way to make clients happy outside of the actual technical doing a good job building the thing that they want for them. All right. What's up, Sean? Modern man. What's going on? Food peeps equal restaurant takeaways. I, I guess I don't understand that. I'm old. I don't get the reference. What is the scope of freelancing in web scraping? Uh, I honestly don't know. I mean, the thing to do is uh, if you're if you want to check any sort of viability for uh, any sort of market, I always just the first thing to do is go over to Upwork and and look for that sort of thing. Even if you're never going to freelance on Upwork, it's a huge marketplace which can give you a ton of data about uh, different markets and so forth. So, what's up, McCoder? Which is faster to learn, Python or PHP? Well, I never, I never learned Python, so I don't really know. But from what I know of Python, it was meant to be an easy to learn language. That was sort of the whole point of it. So, I would guess Python's probably a little bit easier to learn. I would hope. Sub Zero Macoder. What is the best way to customize a template? Um, you'll have to. Uh, maybe give me a little bit more specifics on what kind of template you're talking about, like a HTML template or maybe like a bootstrap template that you might get from wrap bootstrap or, uh, that sort of thing, etc. If you could maybe just give me a few more specifics, I can answer that for you. Best advice for making apps for food peeps. I actually got, uh, I got a question on YouTube that was similar to this and it was, it wasn't food, but it was, do you think it is smart to specialize down to the level of you're not just a developer, you're a developer for uh, HVAC companies, so heating and air conditioning companies, like being that specific, I build websites for heating and air conditioning companies. And my advice on that, and it would be sort of the same for food or any other sort of specific industry that you would come up with like that is it's always better the more specific you can get as long as the market is viable. Now, food is a huge industry. Uh, you may want to think about getting a little bit more specific than that if you can. It just depends what the app is. But um, So being specific in that sense, but going beyond that, when we talk about specialization, specialization is more than just a marketing tactic, right? It's more than just positioning yourself as a specialist. It's actually being a specialist. So if you're making a food app, your app is specializing in that particular thing. Uh, and so the for to me, the, the way to do that, it, the way to understand that is you need to go around and talk to whoever's going to be using this app. So if it's for ordering, you're going to be, you're going to want to go around and talk to restaurants that are, would be getting ordered from and figure out what their unique needs and wants are when it comes to this particular online ordering thing. You actually have to go and do that research and understand them at a level. You want to understand them better than they understand themselves because how can you make an app that serves somebody that you don't know, you've never talked to, you don't understand what they think and that so forth. You're just shooting in the dark. So uh, you need to actually, if you're going to specialize in that sort of thing, you need to go in and actually understand those people so that you can create a product that actually serve their serves their needs and wants. On the flip side, if it's going to be for order, you also have people that are going to order from it. So you may want to talk to uh, 
people who use a, use apps like that a lot. You know, now you probably use apps like that a lot, so you can use some of your own experience. But it'd be a really good idea to also talk to other people and see what sort of things uh, they deal with. At the end of the day, technology is about solving problems. That's the core of of what technology is meant to do. And when you sit down to build a piece of technology, you need to understand the problems at a really deep level. And you can't do that just by sitting down and staring at a blank text editor. So get out and actually understand these people. And that will give you a lot more clarity on what kind of app uh, you should be building. As far as platforms and that sort of thing, I mean, that's all secondary to everything I just said. I mean, use whatever platform works for you. You know what? I mean, I, like I said, I, I don't do a lot of mobile app development. So, you know, I'm, I'm probably out of the loop on that, that sort of stuff, but that's all secondary. Use the platform that does the best job of making it easy for your both, both sets of users to use that. That's that platform you should use, whatever that is. Um, okay. Java. Actually, hope go back up. What are your thoughts on Golang? Uh, I mean, I know what it is. I've never messed with it, so I don't really have too many thoughts on it. Admin template based on bootstrap styling and PHP for dynamic page. So the question was, what is the best way to customize a template? So I've got a, I've got a bunch of videos on my YouTube channel where I do this with different things. I'm actually my uh, I'm recording a, a course right now where I, I just I'm fascinated with this whole idea and so I'm making a databaseless CMS basically I, I shouldn't even say CMS I should say blogging platform not because I'm trying to make some new I, I know that's sort of been done and so forth it's more just meant as a uh, tutorial to show how to do it but I'm sort of fascinated with this idea of uh, databaseless content management. And so, uh, I, I've, again, I've done a lot with this sort of thing. And, and the big thing is, you know, we, you could look at those videos and get some of the specifics of how to do that. But when you say, what is the best way to customize it? You, you have to have a good way for managing both template loading and content loading because at the end of the day what that's what you you need to do if you're going to have any sort of a uh, efficient system you're going to have content whether it's in the database or not and that content is going to be injected into a very specific template and so figuring out what content to load figuring out what template to load and having a system for doing that is is ultimately what's uh most important so What's the best way to customize a template? I mean, at a minimum, you need to have a header and a footer and probably a sidebar template that you piece out into individual pieces, and then you bring that together in your actual content uh, files. Now, your content files could be just the actual pages people are going to visit. So your about page could be about.php and you include header, footer, and sidebar, and then you just write your content for about.php in that about.php file. Uh, that's a really sort of simple way of doing it, or you can create a whole system of content loading and so forth, which that's what I'm uh, creating in that course. So, um, But again, at a minimum, you want to make sure and parse out those different parts just for reusability so that if you want to change the header, you change it in header.php, and it changes across the entire site or footer or sidebar, etc. How to pronounce what is written in PHP. <laughs> Have you watched any of my videos? I probably struggle with that myself. Um, Java or Python for data science. It's, uh, my, my read of it, I mean, you know, technically you could probably do whatever, but Python seems to be the way everybody's going with that. So, can you share some thoughts on data and analysts and expected job growth? I'm getting a little interested in MySQL in the back end. I don't know a ton about it myself, but that's sort of, I would say, in a general sense, that's what my little brother does. Uh, he, you know, he, he's a data analysis and data migration. So, what the company he does, uh, that he works for, does is they essentially take all these companies that are on these old real estate management systems 
that the, that are probably 20, 30 years old and really not sufficient for their needs. And he takes, he, they, that company takes and they move them, move them to this new system uh, called Tririga. And so in that, there's a lot of data that's in the old system that then has to be funneled into the new system. And so that's what he does. He basically has to analyze the existing data they have, help create a structure that uh, in the new system that is going to make sense for the data that they have. And then he has to basically create all the connections to be able to funnel all of that old data into the new system. So I say all that to say that, and he is at his company. I mean, for the longest time, he was the only one that could do it. And now he's trained other people that now work under him. So he has a uh, group of group of people that he's trained. But you know, when he, you know, I've sort of told the story where he started out at IBM. That's actually where he got introduced to the system. And he was, I think he started out there making like $40,000 a year. And he quickly moved up to you know, 115, 120 plus. The reason why is because he was the only person that did a good job of that in either IBM or the the new company that he moved to. So point being, yes, I think there is a, there's absolutely, you know, job opportunity. And if you're really good at it, you can really sort of write your own check. I've sat there and listened to him. I sat there and listened to uh, a company offer him $180,000 a year and him turn it down. So uh, again, it's a, it can be a really, uh, really high potential job opportunity. Now they don't use my sequel, but hi, John is my SQLI real escape string still the best defense against SQL injection? No prepared statements are the reason why is my SQLI real escape string escapes, uh, escapes the data and, but you're still injecting it into the query. Whereas, which, you know, obviously escaping it helps, but with prepared statements, you actually separate the query from the data. So the data never gets injected into it. So it never has the potential for an injection attack. So uh, prepared statements are the, the best defense. Even though they're not nece- they weren't necessarily designed as a defense against SQL injection. How to get known if you are new as a freelancer. So, I mean, I think there's a lot of ways. I can tell you what I did. I started doing this. I started making uh, YouTube videos, started creating content, and started creating content for the people that I wanted to hire me. That's a really big distinction. A lot of people see, you know, like what I do, or they see the other developer YouTubers out there, and they think, oh, I want to do that so I can get clients. But the people you'll be attracting is other developers. Those aren't the people that are necessarily going to hire you. So you want to create content for people that are going to hire you for the services that you offer. So you first need to figure out what services you're going to offer. And then once you figure that out, then you know what kind of content to make for those people. So you can do that. If you're not comfortable doing YouTube videos, there's still plenty of room, I think, for written sort of things. You could do written tutorials or, you know, one ex- one example is it, of this is if you're going to do let's say you were going to do membership sites like I did. You don't just have to do content on the technical details of building a membership site. You certainly would want to do that to demonstrate your authority. However, you can do content on how to create a successful membership site, the business side of things, the marketing side of things, how to deliver your content or or come up with a content strategy or a calendar, all that sort of thing. All that sort of content is going to be valuable to someone who wants to create a membership site will help you establish your authority as a membership site builder or someone in that space. And then you can use that to help you uh, get freelance clients. So again, you want to create content that appeals to the people who would be likely to hire you for your services. Again, you don't have to do just YouTube. You could do written stuff. You could go, I always say this Quora or some of these other places that are out there where people are asking questions and start to establish credibility there. But in this day and age, if if you're trying to freelance and you're not creating content, I think you're going to have a really, really difficult time. It's not that it can't be done, but I think it's gonna, it's a lot easier to just start creating content and you get a lot more uh, leverage out of that. The the sort of caveat to that is local meetup groups. If if you're comfortable doing that sort of thing, 
every meetup group that I've ever been a part of, I've been the one tech person and I was just like, you know, I was a slab of meat that they were all hovering around because most people are in those groups are really non-technical. So pretty much every meetup group I went to, I got some sort of, uh, somebody asking me if I could build them this or that or the other. So that's a really good way to do it too. How to get ideas. Uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and I was going to say what ideas for what, but I'll go ahead and assume ideas for things you could build technology application, so forth. I'll assume that's what we're talking about here. And I'll go back to what I said previously. It all goes back to solving problems. That's the point of technology. If you look at all the really successful technologies and really any product, what they ultimately do is solve a fundamental problem. So don't think of it in terms of how do I go out in the ether and grab some new idea, the next big thing or something. That's not how any of these things that are really successful were built. They were all built because those people were having some sort of problem or they were had something that was annoying them or some sort of pain and they decided, you know what, I'm going to be the one to fix it. And they came up with a solution. And a lot of people had that same problem and liked their solution. And that's that's how you do it. Which editor do you prefer and why? Um, I use Cloud9, although I've said this for a while. That may change depending on because they were acquired by Amazon. And the new system for setting up stuff is a little, it's just way more complicated than I really want to deal with. So if they force me over to that, I'll probably switch to like code anywhere. But ultimately, generally, cloud IDEs. The reason why that is is because, A, I don't have to worry about saving everything on my computer and backups and that sort of thing. It's all done on their end. I don't have to worry about installing a local server or any of that stuff. It's all in their stuff. And I can go from one to computer to the other to the other, and it's all just automatically synced because it's an online editor. And I have, I've had never had any issues really, not any significant issues with being able to access it and downtime and that sort of thing. So it's worked really, really well for me. So one of the cloud IDEs, most of them have a free option. I would try several different ones and figure out which one you really prefer and then go from there. The word passion is the most overused word in programming. Nobody is passionate about HTML slash CSS. It's kind of funny that you say that. I agree in a sense. I mean, I think what people are passionate about can be building things. And so HTML and CSS is a, a means to an end there. But I agree. I don't think too many people are just, they're super passionate about the actual coding language itself. They may enjoy it. They may appreciate what it does. But ultimately, it's building things. But even beyond that... You know, you can reach a point where you've built enough stuff and if you're not getting any sort of uh, uh, reward for that, <laughs> then it can, you know, that even that can lose its luster. So I think ultimately it's about lifestyle, it's about career, it's about income, those sort of things. Those are the things that people are passionate about and that's in, in our industry and outside. So, uh, yeah, I agree with that. Tips to quit an agency client who's actually a great person slash project manager, but their clients suck and the ongoing work is making me happy. Crappy WordPress websites, I have to debug quick fixes and such. The, 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 so the answer for this, anything, is you just have to be honest with me. It's the thing, it's the hard thing to do. It's the thing you don't want to do, which is to just tell people the truth. Anytime I've ever done, now this is me working directly with clients, so it's a little bit different, but... Anytime I've just ever been super honest with a client and told them, look, this is what's going on. This is what I'm going to do. You know, I, I appreciate this and that and the other, but I'm moving on. I've, you know, I've even the worst breakup that I had, that person, it still was, it wasn't that bad. And matter of fact, they contacted me like a year later and tried to rehire me again. So as long as you're just honest with people and tell them why you want to leave, tell them what the problem is, maybe they'll have a solution that'll make it better and you don't have to leave uh, an agency that you really like. Maybe there's something else available. I, don't, I mean, I don't know the full context, but just tell them. At the end of the day, you just got to tell them and, and make a decision and go from there. Can you please, please take a look at the PHP static site generator called Sculpin and make a course on that? The docs really suck. Um, yeah, you know what? I, I won't ever say 
a hard 100%, but I will take a look at that because I'm interested in that sort of thing like I was talking about earlier. Hi, John. What type of jobs will client give in freelancing? Do client ask to build social network or e-commerce site? Please try to give more examples. Um, I mean, they may. I'd, I've I've never been asked to build a social network. Uh, if I've been asked to build an e-commerce site, it wasn't from scratch. It was, hey, can you you know help me do WooCommerce or this or that or the other OS Commerce, any of the others that are out there. Um, so yeah, they could, but I I it's not something that I've ever really been asked to do that much of in terms of building something like that from scratch. At the end of the day, though. The, the real answer to this is less about what are they going to ask you to build. That's, an, that's a question coming from a generalist mindset, right? Because it's the way I read it anyway, is it's if I put myself out a, as a freelancer, I'm going to be asked to do something that I don't know how to do. That's how I read the question. Maybe I'm wrong. And the answer to that is, is you don't, you don't position yourself as a generalist and therefore you don't get asked to do things that you don't know how to do. You position yourself as someone who does this specific thing and that's all I do. And so then you'll only be asked to do that. And so you don't have to worry about the other part of it. That's the easiest way to get started with freelancing. Maybe after 10 years of experience, you've done all this stuff, you can sort of open yourself up and be a generalist. But in particular, if you're just starting out and you're scared about this particular thing, being a specialist is the way through that. I only do this. Yeah, it, it's going to be a smaller niche and it may be less work. But right now, if you're not freelancing, you're getting none. So one is greater than zero to coin a Gary V line. But I believe that's absolutely true. Something's better than nothing. So get started, specialize in something. Don't take projects outside of that and you don't have to worry about that. Coding in the future, do you think it will be done by robots and machines? I certainly hope so. I'm tired of, of coding, to be honest with you. If I could have a robot do it all for me, that would be that would be amazing. I mean, I don't. the honest answer is I don't know. That's the thing. Like, we don't know what that's going to look like. Maybe they'll do all the coding for us. Maybe they'll do all of the housework for us and all the gardening for us and everything else for us. And that wouldn't be a horrible thing, in my opinion. Uh, you know, if I had a robot that did ever all of the labor that I needed to done for me, my biggest problem would be figuring out how to not sit around all day and get obese. So, uh, that's a problem that I can probably figure out. <laughs> so, uh, I, again, I don't know the, the, the people who talk about this sort of thing with AI and, and, and so forth talk about what's called a singularity where robots essentially become as smart as we are and can do all the things that we can do. And they talk about it as if that's a certainty and maybe it is, maybe I just don't know enough, but I don't know that we know that a hundred percent. And even if that does happen, all of them say the same thing. When that happens, we have no idea what things are going to be like after that. So I don't spend a lot of time worrying about it because I don't have much control over it and I have no idea what I'm trying to prep for. So Can you record videos about PHP design patterns? Um, shameless plug, I do have some of those in my object-oriented programming course. I talk about MVC. I have an MVC primer, and then I talk about another design pattern uh, that I, I like to use, uh, johnmorrisonline.com slash OOP. And I have some videos on my channel that are samples from that course if you want to check those out. Is it hard to make a complete social media site in PHP MySQL from scratch? I would guess so. I mean, if you're doing it from complete scratch, that's probably going to be a, a lot of work. Uh, hard depends on your, your skill level, but uh, it's not going to be easy. Well said. Identify your niche slash ideal client and create videos or content tailored for their needs. Besides YouTube, I'm really active on Core, which is awesome. Core's the greatest place to get ideas. Absolutely. I use Core a lot for getting ideas. And another way that I use it if you're creating content is if I'm, I've moved away from using Quora as, as the sole place that I get ideas for content. If you guys have noticed, what I've started doing is actually I do these live stream answering your questions and I'm starting to chunk out these into their own individual videos. And the reason why I'm doing that is because I want the channel to be much more community focused on your guys's questions. So you guys are essentially driving the content. Uh, 
at this point. But what I will do is when I make a piece of content, then I'll go over to Quora and see if there are questions related to it. And I will write an answer and then post my content, my video at the end of it. It's a really good way uh, to get views for your content. And then, of course, you can use it for ideas if you if you need to. Thanks, John. Writing a generic function to create new table in database that takes table schema as parameter. Um, I mean, I've sort of said this in past live streams. I can't. I'm not really doing tech questions on here that that are that in depth. That some of that stuff could uh, be a little bit more involved. But uh, yeah, I mean, maybe that's something I'll look at doing a tutorial on in the future. What are your hobbies? Ooh, that's interesting. Um, watching TV. <laughs> uh, I guess I could throw basketball in there. I, l I like basketball, but uh, I don't play it as much as I would like to. Honestly, I, I, I don't know how old you guys, have kids and all that sort of thing. But when you have kids, for me in particular, having boys and I am a boy and grew, I grew up with five brothers. Uh, for me, I'm just into what they're into really mostly. So for me, it's just hanging out with my kids and, and my wife for the most part. Um, I guess going out to eat would be considered a hobby <laughs> since my wife and I do that a lot. At what point in a new freelancer's career should they consider forming a company slash business? Should it be an LLC or Inc.? So I've done both an LLC and Inc. And the Inc. was a lot of, if it's just you as a single member uh, or as a single individual, a link is a lot of ex Ink is a lot of extra overhead that I didn't find worth it, right? Issuing shares and all that sort of crap. I, I didn't. So I moved to an LLC. Um, I would say the only time an ink makes sense to me is if you're going to have uh, multiple people involved with it and you're thinking or you're thinking about growing this huge, massive company that you're going to do an IPO on one day. But I, I mean... Even even if you have multiple people, you can still do a LLC. And I, I just, for a lot of freelancers, I don't know if that's the route that you're headed. So my opinion is, if it were me, I would generally stick to an LLC. At what point in a career should they uh, consider forming it? Well, it depends where you live. But if I were in the, if you're in the United States, I would do it pretty much right away, just because there's things that you're gonna have to learn. Uh, in order to make that happen. And it ma actually makes things easier in terms of managing your business with the revenue and all, all that sort of thing. It makes it a lot easier to have an LLC. So I would actually do it right away. I don't, I don't think it's a thing that you need to grow into. It's a thing that you just need to learn how to do. And so, you know, yeah, stacking all that stuff on yourself right off the bat. But the reality is, is you're going to have to do taxes. You're going to have to figure all that stuff out regardless. Right. So uh, and like I said, the LLC actually, in my opinion, makes that stuff easier. So I would just do it right off the bat. Given your time again, would you still be a coder to make money to live? Well, if I could go back and do it all again and be able to go the exact route uh, that I was able to go, I'd probably be a defensive end in the NFL right now. So that would be the route that I would go. But short of that, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't change anything because I, 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 I sort of make jokes about it, but I do love coding, not necessarily the code part of it, but I love building things and being able to, I love being capable of being able to do it, uh, is probably the biggest thing more than anything else. So, um, and learning how to code completely changed my life. I, I've sort of talked about this in the past, but you know, I came from a poor family. I was, I mean, I was going down the path of being a construction worker or, you know, a sales person for the rest of my life. One of those were two, the two big things I had done before I got into coding and then coding completely changed my life. I've been able to work from home for the last eight years. I mean, yeah, there, there's no, I wouldn't, wouldn't change it. Even if I'm not necessarily after, you know, 14 years or whatever it is necessarily just dramatically in love with the code. Like I was when I first started out. If you hired a junior front or back end dev, what would you expect of them in terms of skill and pace of work? If it were me, what I would expect from someone that was a junior developer is a willingness to learn, work ethic, a, an ability to communicate with me and coworkers, 
and you know a desire to excel and be good. I wouldn't expect much from them code-wise. That's why they're a junior developer. Uh, and so I would just expect that they're able, they're, they can work hard, they're reliable, they can learn what they need to learn uh, in a decent amount of time, and they have a high standard for the kind of work that they deliver. That would be what I would expect. Hi, does freelancing always lead to making your own company or starting your own business? It doesn't have to, but it's just easier. That That's sort of the point I was making before. I mean, at the end of the day, they can learn what they need to learn uh, in a decent amount of time. Individual, you are taking revenue, you know, directly to you. You're not getting paid uh, from clients. You're not getting paid by another company. So all that. So ultimately it is. And then creating a company or a business, at least in the United States, makes it easier. Is it possible for an undergrad student to get a job in deep learning or M or MS is required for machine learning and deep job learning? Deep learning jobs and AI jobs. Um, you know, again, that market I don't know as as well as some of the others out there. My hunch is that that's a particular segment of our industry that is probably going to have um, a little bit higher sort of requirements for getting hired in it. That would be my guess when it comes to degrees and so forth. Um, that's probably not a hundred percent true. I'm sure there's jobs you can find where you don't, because at the end of the day, you know, what people want is people who, what companies want is people who can deliver. So I think there are probably ways around that, but, uh, I would say that that my hunch on that is that that's going to be a little bit higher, uh, standard compared to maybe other parts of our industry when it comes to degrees and so forth. But the thing to do is do the research. Go to Indeed or wherever and just look. See what they're asking for. Does every single job say that you have to have a bachelor's? Apply for some and see if they really mean it when they say it. Did you watch Infinity War? Yes, I did. And I... Uh, it's funny. I was in the... that. It's a depressing movie, but... It, I mean, it was a good movie, but the ending's obviously depressing. But I was sitting in the theater and... When the end happened, there was, I felt so bad. There was literally a kid right halfway down the row, some kid probably about nine or 10 years old, just bawling. Uh, so yeah, it was a good movie, but it was, of course, a little bit depressing. Do you think there are enough opportunities in Hawaii to do freelancing? Uh, I have no idea. I've never looked uh, for jobs in Hawaii in particular, um, but you know, the thing about freelancing is, is you don't have to just get clients from people in Hawaii. So, uh, you can sort of live anywhere and do freelancing for anybody with the way the internet works. So when it comes to specific jobs in Hawaii, I have no idea, but when it comes to freelancing in general, yeah, there's plenty of opportunity out there. Deep learning and AI is complicated and tough because it's full of mathematics and so many people fear, uh, mathematics. Yeah, I mean that's probably true. I I don't know. Like I said, I don't know a ton on a ton on it, but maybe it has more math in it than what the rest of sort of especially web development does. So, and yeah, a lot of people don't like math, although I would say probably the people that are getting into coding are people, I mean, what you generally find is those people aren't necessarily afraid of things like math. Thoughts on accepting online payments, e.g. client invoices, personal website, Upwork. Is there an easy way to centralize online payment from various sources? I would say if there's an opportunity to do that, it's probably PayPal because I think a lot of the companies out there like Upwork and so forth, I don't, I'm pretty sure Upwork did it one time. I don't do, know if they do now, but they allowed you to get paid um, through PayPal and the invoicing system in PayPal is really nice. That's what I I used was uh, PayPal for that sort of stuff, and it you know it, like I said it works really really well. So if there's a way from all of these your personal website Upwork any other stuff that you could do to sort of centralize it somewhere, I would say the PayPal might be the way to go that route. Another one my brother keeps harping on me is uh, QuickBooks, but I've never used it, so maybe that's I know you can do invoices in there, but maybe that's not 100% true. Is it very helpful to have a master's degree? 
It is very helpful to have a master's degree. I do not recommend a PHP. Larger companies will want the PHP. Startups want you to demonstrate your knowledge. It is very competitive. I'm assuming you're talking about machine learning and AI, which, again, that's was, was sort of my hunch as well. All right. Looks like the, that's the end of the questions so far. So if you guys have more questions, be sure to uh, drop those in. Uh, like I said at the beginning, uh, weekly ask me anything. So you can ask me anything you want. I will try to answer it as best I can. Uh, if I can't answer it all, of course, let you know that as well. Um, one of the things, uh, just sort of a, a heads up for you guys. Um, you know, in the past, I've sort of done the 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 coupon code and stuff with my site, but I actually just recently made the switch to um, my courses can no longer be purchased off of my site. They're only available on Skillshare and Patreon. And for those of you who don't know about this, just uh, in case you. As a teacher, I can give you a two-month free trial to Skillshare. So if any of you guys want to take advantage of that, you can just go on to johnmorrisonline.com slash Skillshare. You'll get access to all of my courses, and there's like 20,000 other courses on there. And, you know, if you cancel before the two months is up, then you'll never be charged a penny, and you can take however many courses you can take in that two-month time. So uh, consider that uh, while you're sitting there waiting for questions. All right. Is PHP better than Node.js? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's... Uh, I think the Node guys will tell you yes. Um, you know, I've seen some... It, it, it depends how you want to look at it, right? There, So, uh, Node.js, and again, I haven't done a ton with Node. I haven't really have done anything with Node. But as I understand it, it's sort of a full framework where you can use the same language to create to to code in front end and back end and and all of that. So that's an advantage for Node. So if you're looking at it from that perspective, then yeah, maybe it's it's better. Uh, some of the performance stuff that I've seen, and again, this is just a small snapshot. I don't know this 100%, but PHP 7 performance wise performs a little bit better than uh, Node in in a lot of different tests. So if you look at it from that perspective then, you know, PHP might be a little bit better. If you're looking at it from the perspective of, I want to get hired at a really big name company or a startup, then Node probably is where going to be better in that regard. However, if you're saying, I want to do freelancing, then PHP is probably better in that regard because the, P, the, the freelance market for PHP is much, much stronger. So it depends how you want to look at it. Uh, at the end of the day, they're just different. And so you have to figure out, again, it doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what people think. It doesn't even matter what actually is better, to be honest. It, ultimately, what matters is what do you want to use? There's so many languages out there and so many technologies and so forth. What do you like using? That's what matters at the end of the day. All right. Mark Z, thanks for all your help. No problem. Suman, what are the skills you look for in a junior backend developer? I've done a few projects in PHP, made a few WordPress themes from scratch, done a couple of Laravel projects. At this point, am I a junior developer? Well, so the way I the way I look at a junior developer is someone who's still learning how to code. So I think the moment you say I want to be a developer, you're a junior developer. I mean that there's a range there, but. I would say most companies you'll find are not going to expect a junior developer to be like super proficient at coding. It's all the other stuff, like I mentioned before, being able to learn, being you know responsible, being reliable, uh, having a, a good work ethic, having a standard for your work, et cetera, et cetera. Those are the things that I would look for and much less on the skill side of things. And just to give an example of what I know, I've talked about this before, I know, you guys have probably heard this a thousand times, but oh, my little brother got hired at IBM, which is a really big company, to be a Java application developer. <laughs> he never actually written a single line of production Java code. He And he'd taken eight weeks on to college. He studied up a little bit before he went to the interview, but he didn't know Java at a level where he could build stuff. So, and he still got hired because as a junior developer, because they're just not expecting it in, in most cases. 
Is there a safe way to include PHP code in a WordPress page to produce member lists, for instance? Yeah, the short codes. That's the way to do that. Or you can do templates. You can create custom templates for a theme if, if that's the route you want to go. And I mean, if you really want to get fancy, you can, you can sort of hijack pages and so forth and, uh, use, use the hooks inside of WordPress to do it. But I mean, the main way I would say that people put PHP code into, uh, into WordPress pages is through short codes. Do you ever think there will be a super browser that becomes the default for everyone and we can be rid of cross browser issues? No, it's a huge competition and, you know, they're, those companies want you using their browser for very specific reasons. I think they'll com- continue to compete, and the companies that have the different browsers are really big companies, and I just don't see, I mean, you know, I just don't see you having one super browser. Best way to build a mobile app for my website. Um, I'm sort of... You know, I I should say that I don't know, I, I guess, ultimately. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff out there like PhoneGap if you want to go that route or you can just learn how to code uh, an app from scratch yourself or whatever. But the best way, I mean, the best way is the way that you can get it done if that's what you want to do. So I, I, I just don't do a ton with mobile app development. So do you know any programming prodigies? <laughs> I would say that uh, the lead developer at my main client, I would consider a coding prodigy. He's been, he's one of those guys that, you know, he taught himself, I think it was assembly when he was a kid. And I mean, one of those was coding as a kid, taught himself several different languages, you know, and, and he's just super smart when it comes to, to coding. So that's probably, I would say he's the one that I know. And I, actually, I knew another guy, he used to work at that same company too. No longer is there, but uh, he was a guy that was, I, I don't necessarily know when he started learning how to code, but he was a guy that could pick up a language in a couple days. I like the new look of your store. <laughs> Appreciate that. Yeah, I went through and updated all the thumbnails, so it looks a little bit better. Could you name any as- any aspect or specific thing that you spent too much time on in your career that wasn't worth it at all? What is the one or two things that newbies should avoid? Yeah, so, and I've talked about this at length, and some of you may have seen these videos and so forth, but the biggest mistake that I think people make when learning how to code is taking the approach, again, it's sort of a generalist mindset. It's, it's I've got to learn these thousand things before I can start doing this for a living, right? Uh, you have to first determine, is this something you want to do for a living, or is this just a hobby? I think most of you probably listening to this and most people that get into this do know that they want to have a career out of it. So I sort of assume that. So if we make that assumption, then the the thing that you want to do is get to getting paid to do this for a living as quick as possible because now you're in the industry and now any learning that you do is is not on the side. It's a really core part and and adds to your value proposition. And so you know, the thing that I spent way too much time on in particular when it came to PHP was I thought I had to learn how to do all of these really fancy things and be able to be like a whiz kid at, at PHP. And what I've learned throughout my career is that really it goes back to fundamentals. You end up doing 90% uh, of what you do is the same thing over and over and over and over again. And it's this really sort of small core set of uh, in, when it comes to PHP, it's of PHP stuff. So learning that stuff really well, getting good at that stuff, etc., uh, and not thinking you have to learn these thousand different things or be able to do all this fancy stuff, and not putting off uh, trying to get hired to when you feel like you've got this massive set of skills and all that. Like getting hired as soon as possible, you know, and and focusing on fundamentals. And if you're going a freelance route then figuring out before all of that, what is the service you're going to offer and only learning the skills that you need to learn in order to be able to deliver on that so that you can start getting paid sooner and then you can expand your skill set. So yeah, those are the things that that I I spent too much time on. And if I were doing it again, I would avoid uh, going down that route. 
When you go for developing a new product for clients, do you go for ideas and tips on Stack Overflow first or reading docs? Well, this is a little tricky because if you're talking about me just coming up with developing a new product, I yeah, I would never start with uh and don't <laughs> I don't mean this in a derogatory way, but I would never start with asking other developers. I would start with asking the people that I'm developing the app for. This is what I harped on before. So I wouldn't go to Stack Overflow. I would go to the people that are ultimately going to be using my app and figuring out, again, the problem that they're having and then a solution I can uh, develop from that. If you're talking about, do I already know what that is and now I have to sit down and actually write it? Um, I don't necessarily go to Stack Overflow, but I will look at other other sort of other products in that particular industry or the way other people are doing things. And I'm not, you know, I always keep in mind that one of the most important things you have to do, no matter what you do is be unique. And so I'm not doing that to just go and take what they're doing and copy it wholesale. I'm really trying to figure out if I, if I know what I'm building and I know the problems and so forth. And I know the problems people are having with the existing solutions, I can look at those existing solutions, see how they're doing things. And then what I'm searching for is a better way or more that I can do or something unique that I can offer to these people that will set me apart in a good way from the everybody else in, in that particular uh, industry. One example I could give you this, which isn't necessarily a technical example, but when I built membership sites for people, one of the things, one of the ways that I positioned myself to make myself unique was that I had worked on these projects uh, for, you know, I'd done some stuff for uh, Lewis Howes, for Inc. Magazine, and all those stuff, all those different clients, sort of big name clients that I mentioned, Michael Hyatt, uh, even built a site for Tim Paris once, even though he ended up not using it, <laughs> but uh I had done those sort of things and uh, so I would, when I was marketing myself as building membership sites, I would say, I've also worked on these sites and I know what a successful site looks like so I can tell you that stuff as well. So it was something that, you know, was unique about me that no other person in that space could say. And so again, when I'm develop, when I'm thinking about any of this, I'm always trying to figure out how can I be different? How can I be unique? How can I offer something that nobody else is offering? So that that's sort of what I look for. Is Node.js easier to learn than PHP? I don't, I don't know. Where should I start? I am an inspiring web developer, been following you for months now, and I'd like to know how to get started. Any recommendations? I, I, again, I'm feeling like a little bit of a broken record here with this, but you know, you 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 have to figure out you have to start with what do you want to do what is what is something that you can deliver that you like building etc you need to it's it's sort of less about the code at first it's more about what do you want to build what who are the people that you want to help etc at the end of the day technology is meant to solve problems and help people so you got to figure out that question who am i going to help what are their problems how can i solve those problems etc uh I, I just don't, I, I've never been an advocate of the general approach. Maybe if you're trying to get hired at a tech company, but even then, figure out the tech company or group of few three to five tech companies you want to get hired at and figure out what they want, what they're looking for, and then tailor your learning towards that. In a, every case, try to be specific. Uh, the the more vague and general you are, the harder it all is because you have all of these questions that you can't really ever answer, right? Or if you do have an answer, it's just one person's opinion from their experience. Uh, the more specific you can be, the better. So in every case, try to be uh, specific. All right, guys, I really have to do a, a hard sort of hour limit here. I have someone to walk through the house again here. Uh, at 11:30, so I need to I need to sort of get everything kind of set up, and then I I need to jump out of here. So uh, I need to to end this one. But I appreciate you guys jumping on. Uh, love all the questions. I thought we had a lot of great questions today, so I really really appreciate that. Those I didn't get to. Uh, hopefully, we can jump on next week, and we'll be able to to get to those. Uh, let me give you my shameless plug. There's my <laughs> my son Jance back there. You can say hi. <laughs> yeah, 
a, hopefully a future YouTuber one day. But um, anyway, like I said, my my shameless plug, if you guys are interested in my courses, I'd appreciate checking them out on Skillshare and getting that two-month free trial, johnmorrisonline.com slash Skillshare. Also, uh, if you don't want to go that route, you can get them on Patreon as well, johnmorrisonline.com slash Patreon. I'd appreciate that. Finally, if you guys can make sure and hit that like button so uh, this can get pushed out and all that sort of thing. More people see it. Hopefully you get more people on these live streams. I'd appreciate that. Uh, whose house is it? it? My house. I'm selling my house. We're, we're going to be moving. So just to answer that question. Anyway. All right, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks for jumping on. And uh, we will. Sorry for missing last week. And hopefully see you guys again next week.